the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you've given us this opportunity to share Christ and your word with those that are listening. Father, I pray that you would get all of our hearts in one accord with yours. And I pray, Jesus, that whoever is watching today, whoever is listening today, that you would get them just the bite that they need, just what they needed for today. I pray that you'd open their hearts um, to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow, welcome. I have a guest speaker today, and I'll introduce him in a little bit, but let's get right to Psalm 25. And I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. I'm sorry, the New, the New King James. And again, this is David. He's written, as I said before, over 70 of the Psalms, and it's another one that he's written. A Psalm of David. Lord, give us understanding of your word. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. I just want to say that this is what God wants us to do. There's that scripture that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, in all your ways. He wants us to trust in him in everything that we do. So he, um, David is saying here, oh my God, I trust in you. He's putting his trust in Jesus or Yahweh. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. David is acknowledging that he's putting all of his trust in him. The Lord is the only one that we can trust and the only one that can give us salvation. Our salvation comes from him. So we're in <clears throat> verse 6. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercy mercies and your loving kindness for they are from old do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions you know and i've always said that when you accept jesus as your savior he's forgiving us of all the sins of our past all the sins of our present and everything that we are going to do i mean i'm sorry to say that we're gonna keep sinning we have these sinful bodies but the lord is looking for people with a contrite heart not just um lip service but a contrite heart okay do not remember the sins of my youth nor the transgressions according to your mercy remember me for your goodness sake O lord 
Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice, and the humble he teaches his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Boy, we need his mercy, and thank God that his mercy is new every morning. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. To such as keep his to such as keep his command, a covenant, and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. And I love that word fear because it really means that we're not afraid of him, but we respect him and we hold him in high esteem and we love him. And he will show them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me. I have mercy on have and have mercy on me, for I am desolate and and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enemies enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Look on my affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for there are many. Yeah, I. I don't. I hope I don't have that many enemies. But we do know that there are people that can turn on us, even our loved ones. And we know sometimes that's the enemy working in them. So consider my enemies, for there are many. And they hate me with cruel hatred. Keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. There he is again, reminding the Lord that he's putting his trust in him and not leaning on his own understanding. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I will wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of their troubles. Such a beautiful psalm. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Please give us understanding of your word and hide this in our heart. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I would like to introduce my guest today, and um, his name is Eric Yearly? Yeary. Yeary. Yes. Eric Yeary. Okay. I thank you so much for being on my show. Uh, I know it was a little last minute, and you were able to flex around that. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Rody. Thanks for letting me be on your show. I'm, I'm honored to be here and tell you a little bit about what we do. So thank you for the opportunity. Okay, great. I, I want to start in the beginning for you. Um, tell us, so that our, our people will get to know you a little bit more, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, how many children were in your fa- in your you know immediate family, um, and also tell tell us if you grew up in a Christian home or not. So um, I uh, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, I spent a couple years there before my family moved to East Tennessee, and that's where I grew up. And um, I later on moved to Denver. And after we or after I lived in Denver for about ten years, I met my beautiful wife Donza, and we we have a baby boy who's three years old now, so he's a... Oh, congratulations. Thank you. He's a wonderful little guy. So, so smart. And, um, yeah, since then, I've just... I've, I've, after we got married, we had a baby boy. We moved back to East Tennessee, so that's where we are now. Oh, so you did go back to Tennessee? Yes, I live there now. Okay, great. Now... I so most of your growing up was in Georgia. So a couple years. Oh, most of it was in East Tennessee, yeah. And then Tennessee. So you graduated from high school in Tennessee? Yes, I, I went to West Green High School. Um, so go Buffaloes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, after I graduated, I could not wait to leave and go experience the big world. And um, I tried to make it to Los Angeles, ran out of money, and ended up in Denver. 
Okay. So and I uh, just had enough money to get a hotel and um, find find the work and um, just went from there. And so I just spent time in Denver. Okay, so I'd like to know when you came to know the Lord as your Savior. Mm-hmm. And did you grow up in a Christian home? Did you go to church? Was there any kind of background uh, of praying or reading the Bible at home? So my mother and father were... Um, not so big on us going to church. My grandmother was. And mm-hmm. so every time she got an opportunity, she took us to church, took us to church, you know. And uh, Thank very, God for grandma. Yeah, grandma loves us, you know. And um, so um, I spent a lot of time um, going to Awanas and, and, and playing sports at the church, play basketball, shoot some hoops, that kind of thing. But I didn't really grow up with that um, spiritual living. We were just, I won't say we were let to do what we wanted, but we weren't really um, taught too much about Christ. I just knew that there was some guy named Jesus who died for me or something like that, and that was it. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I got to, when I got to Denver, I just kind of went wild, and and um, it was it wasn't until after I moved back to Tennessee that I was able to um, study about the Lord. I, I didn't have a zeal or a desire to to understand who He was. It didn't. It wasn't important to me. And so um, my my grandfather was a truck driver. He retired after 32 years. My mother and father are truck drivers. My mom's retired. She's at home. And uh, my father, he still drives. And so my uncle drives as well. So we've got a family of truck drivers. And so I said, well, I just sold my company in Denver. We had to move because marijuana was becoming legal. I didn't want my little boy being uh, exposed to that type of, of environment. And so we wanted to go somewhere that I was comfortable with. And so that was East Tennessee. And so I said, well, i got to get a job. Well, I can't just, you know, sit around all day, right? So right. i, I got to do something. And um, I, I got my CDL, and I started trucking. And so I actually got saved on the road. And so... So you're an adult with a family. Yes. And then finally gave your heart to the Lord. It was after I got married. My wife got saved first. And okay. um, I always grew up with the understanding that I was born a Christian. That yeah. I, I, I had that typical American uh, belief that uh, I was born into a Christian home, so therefore I'm a Christian. I don't have to do anything else. I, I you know, I'm saved because my, fa- my my grandmother's a Christian. It's good enough for me, right? And so um, that was how it, that's how I understood it. And so the Lord, praise God, he, uh, he came knocking on my door. So tell us a little bit about the day that you accepted the Lord. You're on the road mm-hmm. and some, somebody gives you the gospel or do you listen to the radio or yeah. how did that happen? So as a driver on the road, you got 11 hours a day to drive. Okay. It gets exhausting. Yeah. And so you got to keep things going in your mind, you know, stay focused, keep your mind going. And so uh, I turned on the radio and I heard this old guy on the radio. His name was John MacArthur. I'm like, who is this? And so I um, love John MacArthur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not listening right now. I call him an old man. Uh, but anyway, so um, it was wonderful because I heard him preach on Matthew 7:13 and 14, the wide gate and the narrow gate. And it was an early day in June. Um, it was early. I think it was June 6th, uh, early in the morning. I had heard him preach on that as a rerun, and um, I was shaking in my boots. I'd never heard. So I, I, my heart was tender enough to accept what he was saying. Um, and so based on how powerful he preached it, you could hear it in his voice. He really believed it. I said, there's got to be something about this. How can I be on, on the wide gate I, I've all, or on the wide road? I've always been a Christian. And so it required me to analyze the way I was living. And the way I was living was not good. It was very bad, uh, especially prior to my beautiful wife coming into my life and 
calming me down. And um, so when, when I heard that, it was on a Friday afternoon. There, all the churches had closed. There were there was nobody for me to call. I was stuck Friday, Saturday, and Sunday was church, but I was on the road. So I had three days where I was terrified. And um, on Monday morning, I was able to call this little old church that I go to now, First Baptist Church in Morristown, and they were telling me what that means and what that means for me. And it was because of John MacArthur's teaching that I came to the Lord. I accepted him as my Savior and became a disciple, someone who actually follows after the Lord and does what he says. You know, I like the way you said that because, you know, Christianity has given a black eye to Jesus in many ways. And I love calling myself a Christian, but I like the fact that when Jesus said to um, when when Jesus said to John, "Come and follow me," they became followers of Jesus Christ. And I like the way you said you were a follower of Jesus Christ um, because he did say, "Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." So tell me about your wife's um, acceptance of the Lord. So you said she accepted the Lord first. Mm-hmm. So I thought at that time I was a Christian. Okay, and I wanted her to get saved and so um at our yeah i know right and so um i had heard about this um missionary who was in china he spoke chinese very well mandarin and um, i said hey man my wife's not saved you got to help me out here i'm not getting through to her He's all right, I'll, I'll talk to her. He's very nonchalant about it. He's like, yeah, I'll take care of it. And um, sure enough, I gave him my wife's WeChat, which is a Chinese app that we can communicate back and forth in China uh, for free, actually all over the world. It's a wonderful, wonderful app. And um, yeah, I was, so I was able to get him to connect to my wife. It was in the middle of the night for this guy. And he called and, and uh, was able to witness to my wife. And she became a Christian in September of 2018. Wow. And then you accepted the Lord how much time later? Uh, I accepted the Lord about nine months later. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, like I wow. say, I, I thought I was a Christian. I thought because that I had read a few verses of the Bible and uh, I was nice to other people that that made me a Christian. And um, I, I really, I, I find that fascinating. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 16, uh, until the end of the chapter, he said, um, go and make disciples. He didn't say go make, um, you know, people just, you know, who understand, you know, my name and that kind of thing and somewhat know about me. He said, go make disciples. Uh, you know, he, he said, mathetes. He said, he said uh, students or learners. Somebody who is uh, is going to follow after me and study and learn. And I think that's something that us as Americans, we've forgotten. Well, he wants to have a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And he wants to have an intimate relationship with us. Right. I think it's key to stay in the Word of God. Because the more you're in the Word, the more intimate you are with Him. Mm-hmm. You get to know Him. And then when you're in prayer, He gets to know what's in your heart. Although He, not, he can read your heart yes. without us even opening our mouths. But, you know... It's that give-and-take relationship that we would have, say, with a husband or a wife. But this intimate relationship of really getting to know who Jesus Christ is so that we can say, yes, we do know him. And more than that, he knows us. You know, I love the scripture in John um, where he says, um, "My the sheep hear my voice. Jesus is saying, the sheep hear my voice and they follow me, you know. So you heard his voice and you began to follow him yes. and study his word, get into his word. Wow, that's a beautiful story. And I love the connection about your wife. You thinking that <laughs> that was so sweet. 
And now that you have a child, you know, my goal, goal with my children after I accepted the Lord was I wanted them to know him, meaning Jesus, love him and serve him. And if I could do part of that, I would, you know, know him, love him, but serving him. You know, we're all called to do something for Christ. It's not that we're forced into it. And if we don't do it, we're not going to make it to heaven because our our heavenly, you know, our names are already in the book of life. So we've accepted Jesus as our Savior, and that's enough to get us into heaven. But it's doing for him, and and that really brings meaning, because it allows us to show him how much we love him when we do his work. Yeah, we do those things because we love him, not because we're forced to. Exactly, exactly. So when do you feel calling of your life on your life to do something for Jesus? <laughs> Shortly after I got saved. Okay. Uh, and so what, what happened was, was... Um, I was on the road and I said, you know, I wonder how many people aren't saved. And so I went online and I wanted to know how many people die a day. And I found out that that number was 156,000 people a day die. That comes out to about two per second. Uh, are you talking about in the United States or in the world? All over the world. Okay. And so that really got my attention. I said, I need to go out and do something about that. I need to share Christ with others. And so as a truck driver, anybody here who has anybody in the trucking world knows you get time to drive and sleep and maybe a shower. That's it. That's all you get time for before you're on the road again. And I was thinking, could There's I do... eating involved somewhere along While the driving sometimes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I was thinking to myself, could I do like a, a radio show? Could I do like a CB show? Uh, what, what could I do? And I got on ChristianBookstore.com and I found that they were selling these little booklets, Gospels of John. Now, mind you, my, my level of theology and understanding of that was about that much. But I knew that the Gospel of John had the words to save men. It had that that uh, power in it, the power of the gospel to save men. And uh, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I wanted to share that. And so what I did was I ordered some, and then I would start messing with as many drivers as I could because I was a driver and I had grease on me and I wore the clothes and all that. I'd go into the uh, to the driver's lounges and I'd just sit there and I would wait for someone to come in. I'd say, hey, brother, are you a, are you a Christian? They say, no, nah, no, I don't believe in that. I say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. And I would share the gospel with them. Really? Um, and when I would back into my, my spots, I would do my best to make sure that I was parking early enough in the day where the sun was up. And I'd walk the lot handing out gospel tracts. I would knock on their door and say, hey, would you like a gospel? And you get those guys who are like, go away. Or you get some of those guys who are like, yeah, yeah, I'll take it, you know, just to get you to leave. But there were some people who were genuinely interested. They're like, this guy cares enough to knock on the door. To, to to share something as important with me as the gospel. I love the fact that God put it on your heart to start sharing the gospel with other people. And you're a brand new Christian. I didn't know anything. I was actually trying to figure out what kind of Bible I needed. Do I need a King James? Do I need a New American Standard? I didn't know any of that. I just knew that the gospel had the power to save. Right. And I would have to learn as I went. And so that's what I did. I just, I, I had a, a hotspot on my phone so I could, you know, type away on the laptop, do some research. And um, surprisingly, um, we have access to a lot of information in America. We can find anything. And I found quite a bit of information just just like that. It was wonderful. Um, and so I use that as a tool to educate myself on even how to speak to drivers. 
Because as a new Christian, I didn't know what to say. I was right. afraid. I, I mean, because um, when, when you have a, the church in our in our local community, they come knock on the door and say, hi, we'd like to share Jesus. And you're like, okay, now i got to do that. But I don't know what to say. I can say, can I teach you about Jesus? And I don't know anything. And so um, I took time to learn about Christ, uh, mainly by reading the scriptures, because that's all we need to know mm-hmm. about our Lord. That's what he wants us to know. It's what he put in the Bible. And so that's what I use. Wow. I love that. Okay, so now I, I picture you getting those um, tracks and kind of scattering them out there. And so we call that sowing seeds. Yes. And possibly watering mm-hmm. where someone else has sown. Do you ever lead someone to the Lord as you're handing out tracks? Um, not as often as I would like, I'll be honest. I would love to say I do it all the time. Um, but like you say, we are called sometimes to sow seeds. Some are to are to water, others are to harvest. Um, I actually I started kind of getting this desire, like I'm not doing enough. I got to do something else. So on the short amount of home time that I would get every couple of weeks, I would spend them in jail. And so my wife would say, "Stop going to that dirty place." Uh-huh. And I and I said, "Listen, uh, I got offered an opportunity to go to the jail and preach the word, and I'm going." And so the gentleman who I was with, he was uh, uh, an older gentleman, he's like 80 years old, and uh, uh, Brother Neil Marlowe, he's a, he's a dear dear friend of mine, and uh, he said, "Well, why don't you come to the jail with me?" I said, "Okay, fine. I'll hold your books or something." It's my first time going to the jail, you know. And we the way the jail was set up, he said, "Here's uh, cell block A. I'm going to the slams. Good luck." And uh, <laughs> wow. I said, hold on a second, I've never done this. He goes, you'll be fine as the door closes. And he, I'm in there, and you've got about 20 men who haven't seen anybody other than the guards for a week who are just interested. Why are you here? What do you got to tell me? What are you here to teach me? And uh, we had, I think, about uh, probably about 50 to 70 men in uh, about a one-month period come to the Lord while they were in the jails. No kidding. No kidding. These people are... They know what they're, what they're, where their life is heading, mm-hmm. and they're interested in something different. And so when you present the gospel to them, they're absolutely excited. And, and it's, some people think that, oh, they're in jail, they got saved in jail, it'll wear off when they get out. It's not the case always. So does it happen sometimes? Absolutely. But there are people that go out there and they continue to proclaim the word. Um, I, I, as a matter of fact, I have a friend who is in um, state penitentiary now who left the jail I was preaching at. He and I write all the time, and I send him material from the book. Well, you have to send it from the website. You can't just mail them material. And so he actually leads a Bible study in the state prison, um, separate from the chaplain there. And so there's multiple Bible studies going on in cell block D1, I think it is. So it's a a wonderful thing. Unbelievable. So here you are, a two-year-old Christian, or three-year-old Christian, very young, yes. growing <laughs> in the Lord, like uber fast, mm. and having a mentor like the person taking you to the prison is also so, so great. He, you're, you're, you're following his lead as to what to do, and reading the word yourself, knowing what to do just by allowing the Lord to speak to you through his word. Mm-hmm. That is unbelievable. I am so proud of you and <laughs> proud of Jesus for everything he's done in you. Now, I, I do want to ask you a question about, um, so you're you're doing ministry on the road with mm-hmm. the CB, is it CBs? Uh, are- I, I would occasionally um, irritate people with the CB radio and 
continue to preach Christ on that, but generally it was walking around and engaging one-on-one. -on -one. And handing out tracts yes. and maybe, you know, other things. Mm -hmm. So you're doing that, you're going to the prison and doing prison ministry. Mm -hmm. um, now you also, tell me a little bit, there's a, there's a organization that does Spread it, 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 they're spreading the gospel mm -hmm. with truckers. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, tell me about this ministry. So this is uh, a very interesting situation. So I was, I had some routes up in Canada, okay. and so I went up and met uh, a, a very nice chaplain. His name was uh, Brother Lynn, mm -hmm. and so. I got to sit down with him, and I was like, I was like, he's a chaplain. I'm, I'm, I'm a new Christian. Hey, bud, come over here and have a seat with me. And he, of course, you know, he was happy to do so. Anybody invite a chaplain to sit down? He's tickled, and um, he, he, he had this desire to share the gospel with these people called the Punjabi people, the, the Sikhs. And, yes. And so I'd never heard of them before. I thought they were Muslims. I didn't, I didn't know anything about them. Mm -hmm. And so um, he was t sharing with me how important it is to share the gospel with every creature. To the, mm -hmm. all the four corners of the earth, I mean the four corners of the earth, and, and and just proclaiming it to everybody. That was his passion was the Punjabi people, and he just had such a desire. That was a company called TFC Global. Well, after I left Canada, I was still doing my my thing, just on Can my own tracks with my own money, just doing what I could where I could. And um, the next thing I know, I get this this email from some guy named Ron. Like, I don't know Ron. And I uh, come to find out he worked for TFC Global. Now this was this happened within a three to four month period between meeting Brother Lynn and then getting an email from this guy named Ron. And I'm like, well, who is this guy? He said, oh, I just want to talk to you, see how you're doing it with funding and things like that. I was like, okay, maybe this guy wants to sponsor me. He saw my website, and so I just I was like, I'll just play it cool and just call him. Like, How's it going? You know, that so you kind of actually thing. meet him in person? No, I talked to him over email oh, and I oh, called him. Okay. Come to find out, this guy's the president of TFC Global, a ministry that's been around for 70 years. Wow. And, and he contacted me and said, tell me a little bit about what you're doing. And I, I shared it with him. He said, well, we found you because we were doing market research. We found your website. You're a driver, so you know the industry. You're doing evangelism. You're educating drivers. And that's the whole mission statement they have. You're already doing what we want you to do. Why don't you come see us? And I'm like, I got some vacation time. I mean, I guess I could come up there and see you. And um, I took a trip to Pennsylvania and went to a uh, chaplaincy training program. And next thing I know, he said, listen, man, we'd be excited for you to come on board. So next thing I know, I... I I gave my wife a little bit of a heads up. <laughs> I said, so I want to talk to you about my new career choice. I'm going to work full time for the Lord. And uh, I'm just so excited to be able to do so. She, to my surprise, was, yeah, sure, whatever you want to do, honey. I'm like, okay, that went really smooth. Uh, definitely the Lord's in it on this one, you know. Um, and so I'm, I'm now a uh, commissioned chaplain with TFC Global out of Nashville, Tennessee. I am... Beyond proud of you and beyond <laughs> proud of Jesus. This is so exciting. Yes. Um, I mean, a little over two years walking with the Lord, mm. and you have just moved mountains. I, I, I can't even imagine. I, I don't know a lot of people that have done this that you've done, other than some of the people I'm reading in the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> uh, when you think about Matthew, um, you know, 
doing being a tax collector and then dropping everything and following Jesus and mm -hmm. and John and and his brother dropping everything and following Jesus. I mean, this is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords yeah. that's making such a difference in their lives. Mm -hmm. But he's made that same kind of difference with you. Yeah. And you're growing leaps and bounds, chaplain already, sharing Christ with others. Mm -hmm. And so tell me a little bit more about this ministry. They really are are on the road to minister to the truckers. Yeah, so we have we have local we call them faith life centers. So our faith life center is an is a place where drivers can come in, they can relax, they can pray. We'll do Bible studies day or night with these people that come in, whether it be drivers or the local community come in. Um, sometimes you'll get people say, you know what, I've seen a bottle of water. We'll, we'll give that to them. We'll, we'll do whatever we need to assist them. Um, our, our main focus is on the trucking community. And so uh, we have mobile faith life centers that we have worldwide. So this is not just in the U.S. We're in Canada, the United States. We're in Russia, parts of Africa, and South America. We are everywhere. And so, uh, and, and so we rely on the community to help support us, obviously, um, but it, it is something that we've been doing for over 70 years wow. with, with, with God's help, and we're going to continue to do so. Um, I, I am proud to say that none of our Faith Life Centers have been closed in the United States since the coronavirus pandemic hit. We've wow. kept our Faith Life Centers open. Uh, and something else that I think would be a, a really good thing to mention is because of everything going on, now, mind you, I was still driving when this came about, when this coronavirus hit the United States. President Trump ordered, or, or excuse me, gave a directive saying that the hours of service is suspended if you're carrying goods that uh, are necessary for infrastructure. So food, um, medical supplies, anything like that. So that 11 hours I was telling you about is no longer in effect. You can run indefinitely until you're tired and pull over. So I had, I drove from Tehachapi, California to Bakersfield, over to Santa Maria, down to Los Angeles, and all the way to East El Paso, Texas in one shift. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And That's impossible. You needed those toothpicks, like cartoon style, just to keep your eyeballs, oh you my know, gosh. open, your lids open. And so, a lot of prayer. Lots of prayer. And so... Um, that's the things our drivers are experiencing. I've had drivers come in and tell me um, that they are using drugs to stay awake. Because I know the government thinks that it's a perfect world. And they say, well, if the driver's tired, they can, have, they can go to bed. They just send you a message say, i got to go to sleep. What's happening is some of these drivers are telling us that the companies are, are directing them and saying, if you stop, if you don't get this there, you're going to lose your job. Now, they can't write that on Qualcomm or their ELD, their electronic logging device, because they, the driver will turn that in. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that drivers are using drugs, they're drinking. Not only that, this, this infrastructure situation has gotten so out of hand with sh the shortage of drivers and, and the need for, for, at the time it was cleaning material like uh, sanitizer and wipes and things like that. These guys would run from one part of the country to another. So now these men or women are away from their, their spouses. Now they're using prostitutes. So you have drugs, drinking, uh, prostitution. Um, you have people that are stressed to the core. Where are they going to go? 
they have nowhere to go. And so we provide that place for them to come in, take a break. There's no TV in there. Um, well, it doesn't work. Mine doesn't work. So um, we have we always play Christian music in there, good gospel music. And it just allows them to come in and just share with us what's going on, what's going on in their life. Have you, you know, have you talked to your wife today? No, I haven't. You know, I've been so busy. Let's go ahead and call your wife. Go ahead and talk to her. Take 10 minutes. Call your wife. Um, have you eaten today? No, I haven't eaten. I haven't been able to stop. Would you like something to eat? You know, and, and so we are the people on the front line who are dealing with the transportation industry's crisis of drivers being overworked, underpaid, and underappreciated. And so we're here to combat that by sharing the Lord Jesus Christ with drivers who either do or don't know the Lord. Um, we're going to disciple them. This is a really cool program that TFC Global has just rolled out. We got discipleship books. Wow. So when somebody becomes a Christian, they're going to come to us and say, I'm a Christian, what do I do? I just, I just got saved 10 minutes ago, what do I do? Well, I'm glad you asked. We have these books that we want to share with you, and they're workbooks. Teaches them the basics about prayer. What is prayer? How do you pray? Why should you pray? Those are good questions to someone who doesn't know. Um, how should I talk? Is it okay to still use foul language? Is it okay to talk bad to my wife? How, how should I treat my children? All these things that we're going to go over the basics of the Christian foundation. What does it mean to be Christ-like? What does it mean to love other people? And we've got four of those books. One, two, three, and four. Here's, here's the, ingenious, the genius thing that TFC Global's done. Let's say you get saved at the Faith Life Center in, in Antioch, Tennessee, where I'm a minister at. Well, you go up to, let's say, Charlotte, okay, or um, Beaver Dam, Ohio, or Ontario, California. And you say, you know, Brother Eric, I'm in Book 1, Chapter 3. Can you help me? Every one of our chaplains are trained on the same, same material. Uh, material. And so I know exactly where he's at. And we can sit down and we can actually dialogue and discuss what's going on. We start in prayer, we, we teach, and then we end in prayer. It's the only way to do it. Mostly the prayer part, most important thing, right? And so um, we, have, we just rolled out the Celebrate Recovery program. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to be working not only with the drivers, but in the community. And so we're going to be helping people get and stay sober which is something our drivers, not all of them, I don't want to paint everybody with a broad brush, but there are certain drivers who are going to benefit from this program. And so we, we, we put that into place. We have the ICTA, the International Christian Truckers Association, so that drivers can have a place to interact with other Christian drivers. You know, I mean, if you were interested in, in tennis, and I, and I was a Christian, why don't we start a, a Christian tennis program, right? Mm -hmm. So we can get other Christians together and learn and, and, and praise the Lord together. And that's what we're doing at TFC Global. We are wanting to get people together to share in the Word. And so that's, that's pretty much what we do. So, Eric, are you a full-time chaplain or do you still drive? I'm a full-time chaplain, but I keep my CDL... Sometimes some of our Faith Life Centers have to be moved. Um, we had a situation up in uh, Racine, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> they're remodeling the Petro up there, and so when they do that, they say, we need all this moved out. So I went up to Pennsylvania, got one of the rigs, and drove up to Racine and brought the Faith Life Center back to Pennsylvania, and we're remodeling it. We're going to fix it up. And so what it looks like, actually, is a old, sem well, not old, but a remodeled used semi-truck and we've rebuilt the inside. It's got air conditioning, it's got heating, 
It's got a, a place to uh, worship. Um, we, we, we hold services Sunday morning and Sunday evening, and Wednesday we have Bible study. So these units are very, very important, um, and they're very crucial to what we do by having a um, great exposure. Like my Faith Life Center is right by the fuel aisle. There's only one way in that TA, and it's right by the, by the Faith Life Center. So there's, and we got lit up crosses on it. It says TFC Global on the side. There's no way you're missing it. And so it gives every driver an opportunity to come in and ask, can you help me with this problem? Can I share something with you? Or who is Jesus? I want to know who this Jesus guy is. Everybody keeps talking about. Right. I got all the time in the world. Come on and sit down with me. So yeah, I'm a full-time chaplain at that location. Now, when there you were on the road, Mm-hmm. And listening to John MacArthur. Yes. And then giving your heart to the Lord on the road. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think you'd be doing this kind of work after driving a truck? And you're a multi-generational family of truckers. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, in your wildest dreams, think that you would be a chaplain today? <laughs> no. No, I thought I was going to be a driver for the rest of my life. Um, it's a good life. It, you know, they take care of you while you're driving. It's just, it's it's a very stressful job. Mm-hmm. Very stressful. And thankfully, the Lord had different plans for me. If something happened and I needed to go back to trucking, well, I can do that. But I'm so happy here because I get to do what Christ has commanded us to do. To go into all the world proclaiming the gospel. And I get to do it with people that understand it. You know, hey, you're a driver too? Yeah, I'm a driver. Here's my CDL. I'll show it to you, you know. and um, So, no, I did not think. I thought I was going to retire a truck driver and just go and um, hand out Gospels to other drivers and uh, learn about their faith so I could interact with them and um, just honor the Lord by doing what He's commanded me to do. This, I have a really interesting story about the trucking thing. Um Years ago, I'm going to say it was probably in 06, um, Mike is doing, running the camera for us, but Mike, did you buy the car from me in 06 or 07, somewhere around there? Okay, so Mike's running our camera today, but I guess in 2006, um, I got this job as managing a dealership, and a car dealership. So Mike wanted a car and he wanted to spend X amount of dollars. So we had a car shipped in for him. And he he requested a stick shift because he wanted a manual um, shifting. And so, you know, you have to look for those. Not every place has them. Mm-hmm. So his car was coming to my house from I think Texas and it was this one trucker that brought he had a car a whole truckload I think he had 12 cars and maybe 10 on his truck and he was dropping the car off at my house and when he said that he was coming to come to my house I thought I'll just make it easier for him and let him take this car to the major street close to my house, which was Ontario. And I said, okay, I'll meet you at the park. And I told him exactly where to go. And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll bring my husband with me so that we could 
you know, drive the other car back to the house. And he was happy that he didn't have to go into a neighborhood with this huge semi-truck. And I said to him when he got off the truck and he wheeled that car off, you know, how it's multiple stories. And I said to him, so how long have you been doing this job? And he said, five years. And I said, I want to introduce you to something that maybe you haven't thought about. Because here it is Sunday, and I know you're not in church, and we're about to go to church. So, do you know Jesus is your Savior? And he said, well, no, but I've heard about him. And he says, you know, I'm, I go to a lot of different truck stops, and there are some stops that have church going on. And it must be something like you're involved in. And I said, so have you ever walked in and listened? And he says, well, I've been meaning to, but I never have. Anyhow, I was waiting for my husband to come over from the house because I came over on one car. And then he, he said to me, if I come over with another car, we still have a third car. And I don't know if you remember this, uh, Mike, but Pastor Wally was staying at my house that weekend. And he was going to be speaking at somewhere. And I thought, I would love to lead this guy to the Lord. Mm -hmm. But he was so almost over the threshold with accepting Jesus. And I said, Mark, bring Pastor Wally with you because this guy is so ready. And Pastor Wally, who, by the way, just got, <laughs> just got over COVID-19, had been in the hospital for a couple of months, was so thrilled to lead him to the Lord. And they came with some tracts and, and a Bible for him. And he was a newly married guy, too, and had a little, little boy at home. And I said, your wife is going to meet a new guy in you when you get there. Mm -hmm. And it was so wonderful to lead him to the Lord. And I think I told you that story um, about how your car was involved in um, leading this truck driver to the Lord. But this is the kind of stuff you do every day. Yes. Yeah, as a matter of fact, if you're talking about the Ontario area where that chapel is, where that faith life center. Yes. So that's ran by uh, Michael Dubay. He's one of our chaplains. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, there is there is a person that goes to our church. Mm -hmm. uh, I go to Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. Mm -hmm. But he, there's one person that has, that does something similar to what you're doing. I don't know if it's the same organization. Mm -hmm. But he and his wife are involved in a ministry at a truck stop on Hamner. And the Ontario Freeway and the 10 Freeway. It's really the one of the biggest truck stops there is. Mm -hmm. It might be it. I'm not familiar with it's the It's in roads. Ontario. Yeah, so I know it's in, a, in one of the truck stops. I think it's the Petro there. There's an airport next to yeah, it. Yeah, it's by the airport. Yeah, that's probably Michael Dubay. He's, he's, okay. got a, he's, got a, he's always got the wildest hair. Yeah. He's a cool yeah. cat. He's always got oh the wildest hair. Oh, my gosh. Hair. He's a good man, good man of God, so he's great. Oh, wonderful. I, I love it. Isn't it interesting how God puts these people in in the in the path of someone else? Mm -hmm. You know, just just when you think this one's going to slip away, mm -hmm. no, God's got that covered. 
His ways are far above our ways. Mm -hmm. So you, you, are you still, how, how do you keep your license going then? Do you have to drive so many days out of the month? or uh, No, so uh, the way that it works is I just got to keep my medical card up. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I keep all my uh, endorsements. I've got my tanker, my hazmat, and all that stuff. So I just I keep that there because you never know what you got to move. Sometimes if let's say I go and move one of our Faith Life Centers and they've got a bunch of propane tanks that we need to move for whatever reason, I can haul that with the with the chapel with the Faith Life Center. So I just keep everything and I, I stay on their insurance. So if they need me, they say, Eric, listen, man, we got we need something done right away. I'm on a plane. You know, and I can just, I'm already ready to go with the insurance and everything. So I just take off and go take care of whatever they need me to do. Wow. And and so they taught you how to do Bible studies? Yes, which was very interesting for me to learn how to do that. I'm good at listening to them, but not leading them. And so I had to learn the leadership role that came with this because my idea of being a minister was always what you see on TV. You see the... The pastor in his office just writing something really, you know, really like a, like a note or something. He doesn't do anything other than that. Well, that was an eye-opener for me, realizing you had to manage your resources. You have to be able to take time for yourself to recoup and relax because people are going to lay some very, very um, heavy things on you, things that you can't imagine going through, and these people are living through it. And it over, over, a while, over time, it builds up. And so us as chaplains, we work together and and um, and work out some of these emotions that we have from taking on a lot of things these people have on on their shoulders. Um, and so when it comes to Bible studies or sermons, you know, we have to make sure that you know you know that we're we're going to be accountable for what we say. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's very important for me to make sure that if I'm speaking, I'm speaking directly from the Scripture. And I have to be able to interpret that and, and say exactly what Christ himself was saying um, in, in the New Testament. And so, um, you know, for example, um, John fourteen six, one of my favorite verses, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And I have, and people say, well, what does that mean? Does that mean I can, uh, you know, dabble in living in, in, in carnal sin? Can I... Um, can I be half Muslim and half Christian? Can I be a little bit of Christian and a little bit of this and that? Um, and the answer is, is no. He said, I am the way. Those are definite articles. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it. There's no more, there's no more argument there. That's what Christ said. And so people will have questions. Well, what does that mean? And we have to be able to uh, express to them what that means. Um, and in good faith, what we think Christ was saying, and, and in a good understanding. Um, I remember hearing, um, I, I forgot the girl's name, but say it was Dorothy. Okay. And she says, you know, I really don't believe in the traditional religion. Uh, so I call myself a Dorothyism. Okay. Meaning that she just believes in what she thinks is right. Mm -hmm. And I thought, gosh, that is a dangerous way to live. Yes. Um, so she takes what she likes mm -hmm. and discards what she thinks isn't important. Mm -hmm. And she has, I'll just call it a theology, mm -hmm. because 
you know, it, it is some ground rules that she will follow. Mm -hmm. She hasn't been to church in years, and she just does whatever she feels is right mm -hmm. or it feels good to her. Yeah. You know, people today are looking at all these other options mm -hmm. for God, and there is only one way. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the way, the yes. truth, and the life. No man, no man, it means no other man. No man mm -hmm. or woman comes to the Father, but through Him. Mm -hmm. He is the way. I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, now that you have this new job, mm -hmm. this this new ministry, yeah. how is that working out with your your wife? She she loves it. You know, uh, as a matter of fact, um, my son, who's three years old, I was telling you about earlier, baby Daniel. I, I still call him a baby. He's three. You know, but. He's a little toddler. He's all the way up to my hip. But um, he's learning how to pray. It was the cutest thing. He, he did it about two weeks ago. And he said, I taught him to close your eyes. And we all hold hands at the table. And he said, uh, uh, thank you, Jesus, for my toys. Amen. And that was his prayer. I said, well, that's a good start. We'll, we'll go from there. You know, I wanted yeah. to build that up. Um, and my wife loves the ministry. You know, she loves what I do because she understands this is my passion. She understands that... Um, my feelings toward it is that there is no greater calling than to help someone come to know Christ. Uh, you know, what, what's, more, what's more valuable than a man's soul? I can't think of anything. Right. You know, it's so important to make sure people not only know Jesus, but to have a correct understanding of him and believe in him wholeheartedly. There is no Jesus on Sunday and nothing through the rest of your work week. Right. You, it has to be a lifestyle change. You have to live it, love it, and believe it, no matter the cost. Right. You know, Jesus told us to count the cost. Be, and, and I truly believe, and uh, I'm going to steal this from John MacArthur, he says <laughs> that the, the world is, is riddled with half-built towers. And I, I believe that. People say, I'm going to become a Christian, and then they realize that it's going it's to require them to do things like go to church, um, read your Bible. I don't have time yeah, for that. Yeah, the reading the Bible thing, a lot of people have trouble with that. Mm -hmm. And I like to tell them, start out just with one verse, mm -hmm. and then increase it to one chapter, mm -hmm. and then maybe two chapters in a day. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if you read four chapters in a day, every day, you can get through the Bible in a year. Yes. Um, but do it daily. Get into the Word. Know Him intimately. In order for you to know your your spouse intimately, you really have to spend time with them. Right. And God wants that same kind of time, that same attention. Mm -hmm. And staying in His Word, or staying on your knees, being in prayer, that's how you get to know Him. Now, I want to just thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. This was not planned, <laughs> but it was so good. I'm so proud of Jesus, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Um, I would like to speak to the people out there that have listened to his testimony. Um, not everybody's going to become a pastor in, in, in two years <laughs> um, from accepting Jesus coal uh, out of the clear blue sky. But one thing that struck me, Eric, is you said, I always assumed I was a Christian. Yes. I always thought I was. Mm -hmm. So your heart was already leaning in that direction. 
Yes. And God had been knocking on the door mm -hmm. of your heart all those years, mm -hmm. thinking that you might be a Christian. Mm -hmm. Well, you finally opened the door wide to let him in. And this is what I'm going to ask you out there. If his story resonates with you, if you think that you've always been a Christian, but haven't taken that step of faith to invite the Lord into your heart and made him your Savior, today would be the day of your salvation mm -hmm. by inviting him into your heart. I'd like to say a sinner's prayer with you, and we call it a sinner's prayer, but honestly, it's really you pouring out your heart to the Lord and asking him to forgive you and that you will make him your Lord and Savior. You're going to throw that life aside, the sinful life that you had. I'm not saying you're not going to sin. We all fall into it every once in a while. But you're going to make that 180 degree turn from the past. And from here on in, you're going to be walking with Jesus. And he will lead and guide you. In Isaiah 30, he says, the teacher will will say, no, 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 go to the right or go to the left. He will lead you. You, you have ears to hear him when you accept him as your Savior. So follow me in this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins, of the past, the present, and the future. I ask you, Lord, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I know that you're the only one that can. I'd like to be like Eric and have a hunger and thirst for your word. Find a good church for me, Lord. Help me to walk with you from this day forward. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you said that prayer and meant it with your whole heart, call us at Hope Radio here in Corona, California, or write me an email at www.ontheroadwithjesus and we will send you material. I want to sign off for now. Thank you for joining us and thank you, Eric, for that wonderful story here on On the Road with Jesus. Bye for now. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rhody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rhody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com. Or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project. Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.